God's holy word. I can be who it wants me to be. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I will not leave the same. All right, Galatians chapter number one. How many of you are excited that we're finally here? I've been talking about it for so long. And then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to disappoint you because we're really not going to say anything today. This is all introductory as to why Paul made such a big deal about it. And then for the coming weeks, we're going to... I turned myself up a little too loud. Can you slide me down a little bit? Thank you. I'm hearing. I don't like hearing myself. I know you guys don't like hearing me. I don't like hearing myself. That's why, because I know I don't like hearing myself. But anyway, we're going to talk about why Paul made such a big deal. We're actually, we're going to become Pauline experts because... On Sunday nights, we're going to look at, uh, starting tonight, we're going to look at Acts um, and how we can take the gospel. Paul took the gospel to the pagan world. And whether we like it or not, we live in a pagan world. In the last 40, we were discussing that in Sunday school, the last 40-ish years, America, the world has really, one of those things where you knew the world was getting constantly getting worse, but there was a huge jump. Uh, from the 1950s to the 1970s. And so, whether we like it or not. But Paul took it to the lost world. He took it to the point where he said, he's on the outside of Rome, he made the statement, I've preached the gospel to the entire world. So it's not like it can't be done. I'm not trying to make us think that it can't be done, but it has to be done what does the Bible say? Be as wise as serpents, harmless as doves. It has to be done wisely. It has to be done harmlessly. And so we're going to be looking at that tonight. But this morning, Galatians. You see it up there. No other gospel. But Galatians chapter number one, we're going to just look at the first seven verses. It says, Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by man but of Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead. And all the brethren which are with me under the churches of Galatia, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from the pres this present evil world, according to the will of God and our Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I marvel that ye are so soon removed from... Him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another. But there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you this morning, Lord. And again, we're so thankful that you allowed us to come and gather and worship, Lord. Lord, I just pray that you be honored and glorified as for the next several weeks we dive into this book. And why did Paul make such a big deal out of what? on the surface, seems to be a very unimportant issue. We just pray that you'd be honored and glorified. We ask all these things in your name. Amen. Again, we, I just made the statement, Paul was the, the apostle to the Gentiles. The other 11 apostles, they were pretty much to the Jews, Jesus, never left the border of Israel. Uh, so Paul was, well, the Bible refers to him as an apostle born out of due time, but he was just the black sheep, if you want to word it that way. Why did Paul make such a big deal out of what we're going to look at? Well, first of all, we have to go all the way back in our minds and remember exactly who Paul was. Paul used to be Saul, the guy that persecuted the churches. And by the way, he thought he was doing the right thing. He viewed this newfangled religion as wrong. Just as we today would view anybody that would take the Bible and try and twist it, try and pervert it, try and not follow it. We would view these things as 
wrong. This is what Paul... Because why? For 6,000 years, they had been following the Mosaic Law. And they didn't... Well, we're going to get to that in a little bit. But And so Paul is here and he's persecuting the churches. Doing what he thought was right. God knocks him off his high horse. Tells him that he was wrong. And I mean, completely 180 and we've been in church any length of time. We, we understand that. And so Paul became an apostle to the Gentiles. He started between 150 and 300 churches from that point and time. The area of Galatia was not in Israel. It's not wasn't under Judaism. It never knew the laws that we would consider the Mosaic laws, the cultural laws, the social laws, all of those things. They wouldn't know and understand. But he so when he brings the gospel to the area that we would know and understand as Galatia. He brings them the true, pure, unadulterated, whatever you want to say about about the gospel. Paul starts the church. He didn't stay there. I mean, there's no way that you can... Start 300 churches in your lifetime if you stay in any one place very long. And he left. And then he gets word that something happened. Something was going to happen. Something was trying to happen. We don't know how far it got. Although it, it did begin to get some root. We can see that in the coming uh, weeks that we do our series on Galatians. And it's nothing new to Paul. He faced this problem in the book of Acts, and we're going to reference that for a lot of the series. And the Bible says that he withstood Peter to the face about this issue. Again, Peter and Paul, they, they didn't really get along. And the reason that Peter, I mean, Paul withstood Peter to the face is because Peter should have known better. And the truth of the matter is, the way that Peter was acting wasn't what Peter believed. But his actions were portraying a different story. And rather than to have that issue come up again, Paul really just jumps right into it. I told you when we were uh, a few weeks ago, months ago, months ago now probably, that every single one of the epistles that Paul wrote, except for Galatians, he, there's a phrase in the first 10-ish verses, give or take. And the phrase is this, I thank God for you. He does it in Corinthians, he does it in Acts, he does it in Ephesians and Philippians and Colossians. And all of those other ones. But you, will, you don't find it there. He doesn't say, I thank God for you. He just... Can I just be honest? In, in today's vernacular, Paul was a little ticked. I'm just being honest with you. That's how big a deal this issue is to Paul. That he's not thanking God for them. He's getting right into it. And we see that in verse number 6. He says, I marvel. I'm astonished. I'm shocked that ye are so soon removed. So we know that this issue took place not very long after Paul left. It didn't take very long for this to take place. What happened, the Judaizers came in they began telling them that they had to follow the Mosaic Law. They began telling them that you, hey, will you, you have to be circumcised. 
you have to do this and do this and do this and do this and they were adding to salvation. That's a big deal. That's a huge deal. They must adhere to the... We, we, we talked about it. The Jews, they added over 300 social laws. I'm not talking about religious laws, just social laws. Over 300 to the original laws that God gave. It's, they very well could have had over a thousand laws that they had to obey every single day of their life in the Old Testament. I mean, some of the, some of the most ridiculous laws ever. Remember, Jesus got in trouble because he healed somebody and he healed them on the wrong day. You, you can't do that on the Sabbath day. It's against the law. No, it's against the law that you made, not the law that God made. Well, you, you can't walk that far. Brother Martin would enjoy that law right now. His wife dragged him all over the place walking and he's got a bad hip. He's going to adopt that, that Mosaic law. You can't walk that far on a certain day. Why? Because it's against the law. And this is, you, you have to be circumcised. And that, that's referenced many times. And all of these laws that were added to them. And if you, if you really got saved, I told you that I was up in, in New York uh, right before, well, a few weeks before Christmas at the church uh, conference. And we ran across these people that they, they were part of the uh, Church of God the Mother. And their whole thing was that they, because there's a God the Father, and that there's a God the Son, then by our understanding, and they're reading into Scripture, that there has to be a God the Mother, even though there's no reference to God the Mother. And we, we talked to them for about 45 minutes, and, and they, they were pleasant, we were pleasant, it was fun, it was encouraging, uh, we obviously disagree, but as the Bible says, iron sharpeneth iron, and so we, we challenged each other, and it refreshes uh, our thinking on some things, and, and but they were like, and they made this statement. And this, I think this statement has fallen into a lot of churches. And while we, I would agree with the statement, the problem comes is when we force people. Why? Because they, would, they made this statement that salvation is by grace through faith and then you do things. Can I tell you that's another gospel? And they made this statement, well, why wouldn't you, if you really got saved, then why wouldn't you want to do those things? The truth of the matter is, is that you should want to do those things. The problem comes is when you make people do those things. Paul is frustrated and he's confused. Flip over to Romans chapter number one. Romans chapter number one. And this is, again, Romans chapter number one. And we're, we're not going to look at them all, but we'll read this one. Paul, servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated under the gospel of God, which he hath promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name among whom ye are also called of Jesus Christ to all that be in Rome beloved of God called to be saints grace to you and peace from our God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, first I thank God for 
Thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. And we see, again, that Paul is thankful for them. Romans, 1 Corinthians, and we're not going to look at them all. If you're taking notes, you can write them down. 1 Corinthians 1, uh, verses 1 through 4. Ephesians uh, 1, verses 1 and 2, and then verse 15. Philippians 1, 1 through 4. But we don't see that in Galatians. The first thing that we need to realize, the very first thing we see it in verse number one, Paul is going to correct this issue. And he says, he, they know who Paul is. They, he started the church. He's the one that led them to Christ. Probably the vast majority of the church. He says, Paul, an apostle. Yeah, we know that. Not of man. See, these Judaizers came in and, and tried to tell this, the church at Galatians that Paul was off of base and that what he was saying wasn't of God. But Paul reminds them they knew this, but Paul reminds them. They says, remember, I, after God knocked me off my high horse, I spent three and a half years on the backside of the desert being trained by God. He says, I'm not an apostle of men. I, you could argue that I was at one time when I was a Pharisee. Paul was the Pharisee of Pharisees. He was, he was the one that gave permission for Stephen to be killed. Paul was on the fast track to probably being the next high priest. But Paul wants to remind them, hey, I am not an apostle of man. I am an apostle of God. They were trying to discredit Paul. And so, honestly, for the first two chapters of Galatians, Paul has to defend himself. Because accusation after accusation after accusation, we were in Sunday school. We were talking about when when one thing doesn't work, they they're uh, we're trying to get to Trump again, and and it were the vicious circle of impeachment didn't work, and we're going back to the fact that hey, he he made mistakes. He's a human being. We all make mistakes. This is this is what it comes down to. Are you, we're, we're talking about the gospel. We're talking about no other gospel. We all make mistakes. Has there been a time in your life when you repented of your sins and asked Jesus to save you? The Bible says in Ephesians, we're going to make reference to it a lot. For by grace are you saved through faith, not of works, lest any man could boast. That's what it boils down to. Again, there's no thankful greeting. He gets right into the situation and he's confused. I marvel. I marvel at you so quickly. It doesn't, Paul doesn't understand. How, why would you want to? Think, think about it with, with me for a second. Whether you were a Jew or whether you were a Gentile. And I came to you and I told you that you could be 100% sure that you were going to go to heaven and all you had to do was take a free gift. That's, that's it. And then these people come along and tell you, no, you've, you've got to do these other works also. Whether you grew up in that culture and that society, they didn't grow up in it. So why would you take it on? I mean, that doesn't make any logical sense. And we're going to talk about it later on in the coming weeks, but the truth of the matter is this, is that they put too much faith and in man. Well, these, these Judaizers, they're from Jerusalem. They're from where the church started. They have to be right. And they didn't put enough emphasis on this. And they put too much emphasis on man. Well, they have to be right. I think I told you when I was in 
fifth grade, the uh, Christian school I went to, the, they had to, to do some serious changes, and the teacher, the math teacher, left for, and I don't even remember why he left again, but he, he left, and so uh, last resort, they had the PE teacher. If you, girls, if you ever have the PE teacher for anything, remember this, that they're a physical education teacher first. They're not, they don't know anything. No, I shouldn't say that, but they, they're a last resort situation many times. They're a coach for a reason. And he, so he had to teach us math, and for whatever reason, they decided that in fifth grade, we're going to start adding letters to math to get you used to seeing letters when you get into junior high and high school, all that algebra and calculus and all that, that wonderful stuff, trigonometry. And so he had zero business teaching it. But he, so he taught us that A was one and B was two and C was three and D was four and so on and so forth. That's what I was taught. Along comes the real algebra, and that's the pretend algebra. By this time, my, my parents had moved to Canada, and uh, so I was homeschooled, and my dad is a math genius, and, and so he's teaching math. And I am, I am whipping through these algebra problems. I mean, it's taking me two and three minutes, and it should be taking me 15, 20 minutes. I'm just zipping through. Yeah, but this is easy. Algebra's a piece of cake, man. I don't know why everybody's complaining. Da, 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 da. And I'm, I'm getting them wrong. And I'm getting them wrong, and I'm getting them wrong, and I'm getting them wrong. And I'm like, I know that it's right. It took us six months between the fact of trying to convince Dad that A is 1 and B is 2. And he's like, why, why are you thinking that A is 1 and B is 2 when it's not? It, it, but it is. Why? I was taught wrong. And I put too much emphasis on who taught it and not what was actually being taught. That happens very easily in our society. I can, in, in my mind, I, I can see Paul. I, I remember one time, I, the boys, they were talking about a dirt bike. And I used to have a dirt bike with the, me and the neighbor down the road. We went halvesy on a dirt bike. And uh, so we, I was at that neighbor's house. I don't, I don't remember anything about dirt bike. It reminded me of that. I was at that neighbor's house, and, and his cousin was over. And to be honest with you, I can't even remember why, but I was in trouble for something. And you should have seen the look on my mom's face when she saw me walking back home. I don't remember what I did, but oh my word. You know, you know that moment when your parents use your whole name? one of those moments. Oh my. I, that's, what, that's what I see in Paul. If, well, yeah. How? Why? What were you thinking? I mean, it was beyond the realm of reason. I marvel at the fact that you're so soon removed. It's time to get down to business. See, these Judaizers, they were saved Jews. And they were trying to get the Gentiles to adhere to Jewish religious customs. Flip over to Galatians chapter number 2, verse number 14. But when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter before them all, If thou, being a Jew, livest after the manner of Gentiles, and not as do the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? Trying to make them live as a Jew. Follow, we had to follow these 300 plus social, cultural customs. They would call them laws. They would make this statement. In order for you to be right with God, you've got to live like a Jew. Yeah, we realize that God may have saved you by grace, but if you really want to be right with God, then you've got to live this certain way. You've got to be circumcised, and you can't do X, of X jobs on, on the Sabbath day, and, and this, and this, and this, and this. And they're adding those 300 laws that God never even told the Jews to do. If you're really saved. 
You see, for 6,000 years, the Jews lived with laws. Remember Paul making this statement, I'm dead to laws. We're going to look at that again later on. But they have no effect on me. When you, when you get saved, obviously you have to run to receive that. Hopefully you understand, spiritually speaking, the laws don't apply to me. Why? Because the law was there to show you that you needed help. The law couldn't help you. Once you get the help, it says of no use to you. But for 6,000 years, they lived with this law. And the, the law, it had gotten so blurry. What, what was the law of God and what was the law of man? We, we don't know anymore. And so we have to protect it. So they added their more laws and more laws and more laws until we get to the point where there's over a thousand laws. Jesus comes along and says, you're not under the law anymore. You accept me as my, as you accept me as your savior. You're not under the law anymore. The Jews, the Judaizers didn't know what to do with it. You mean, I, 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 I can... I can help people on the Sabbath day. <laughs> Remember the vision that Peter had? The sheet comes down and there's pigs in there. The Bible refers to this. All kinds of unclean animals. And God says, take and eat. Peter says, oh no, uh-uh, uh-uh, no. Why? Because they're unclean. And God makes this statement. What I have said clean, don't you dare call unclean. That's gone, Peter. He was using that as an illustration. It's gone. You don't have to abide by it anymore. They were institutionalized. How many of you understand what that statement? You know, someone, they've been in prison or in jail for so long that when they finally get out, they don't know how to live. They don't know how to function in society. Why? Because there, was, there were so many rules and so many laws that they had to obey. You're, you're only allowed out of your six by six cell for one hour a day for 25 or longer. Changes you. They didn't know what to do. They, Jesus gave them their freedom. And they didn't know what to do about it. They didn't know what to do with it. And so they, by choice, they decided that we're going to go back and live the same way that we know how to live because we can understand it. And if we're going to go back and live that way because we love God, I'm going to start forcing everybody else to live that way. The gospel came first to the Jews. They, and they regulated society by laws and traditions. The traditions of men have made the word of God of none effect. All powerful God, the person that created Everything you see and everything you don't see. I mean, absolutely everything was created by God. That powerful being can be rendered completely useless because of our traditions. Can you begin to understand why Paul's a little upset? And their the Jews' entire existence was surrounded around the law, the law, the law. Moses gave us the book of the law. <laughs> Moses was the George Washington of the Jewish culture, okay? If, hey, George Washington was a sinless person. You realize that, right? No. Obviously, I'm being a little bit facetious. But in our minds as Americans... 
I don't, I don't care if you're the most conservative right-wing wackadoodle or the most liberal left-wing wackadoodle. George Washington was kind of it. That's what Moses was. And Moses gave us this law, and Moses is basically God. See, they're putting too much emphasis on man and their entire existence for 6,000 years. Jesus came along. The temple, the veil of the temple was rent in twain. There's two. Can't talk today. And you're, the, think, about, think about it. The average human being could now see into the most holy place. The place that only one person was allowed to go once a year. And now everybody could see it whenever they wanted to. God had given them their freedom and they had no idea how to deal with it. So they said, you have to embrace the law. You have to embrace the law. Why do I have to embrace the law? This is what Paul was saying. Why do I have to embrace the law? The law couldn't save me. So now that I'm saved, why do I have to embrace what couldn't save me? The only good of the law is to show you that you were imperfect. They just simply went back to what they always knew. They're free. They're struggling. They don't know what to do. I'm going to throw out a word. We, we, if we've been in church any length of time or any religious, probably you have heard this word. And as soon as, listen to me, when, when, when this thought, it hit me last year, when it hit me that this is what, I'm including myself many times, this is what we're doing. We don't like it. But it'll gain our attention. We're being legalistic. You said, Pastor, we are not. We are not adding words to salvation. For the next several weeks, we're going to look at this. But I want to ask you a question. And answer it in your own head. Someone comes to church. They say they got saved. You begin talking to them. Or maybe just by the way they look. Well, they're not dressed right. Well, it, it's okay. They're, they're not dressed right. They're not dressed the way that we think they should be dressed. It's okay. They just got saved. Give them time. <clears throat> One week, two weeks, three weeks, a month, two months. They're still dressed that way. And in our minds, well, they're, they're not really saved. We're adding works to salvation. I don't know if you're saved. Listen, we're, we're, we're going to dive into the... There, there's a pendulum, and that's what the entire book of Galatians is about. Is you can go too far this way. And there's a lot of churches that are, you know, it, it, it come as you are and leave as you were, and, and you know, we're all touchy-feely, fuzzy, lovey-dovey. No, that, that's, that's, not, that's not the gospel. But you can be so far over here that, you know, bless God, if you're not wearing a white shirt and a tie, then you're not right with God. Really? I've heard preachers make that statement. That's what Paul is trying to combat. See, and, and as, soon as, as soon as I threw out that word, legalism, you're like, I, I am not adding works to salvation. Flip over to Galatians chapter number five, verse number one. It says, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. What is that yoke of bondage? Those, for the Jews, for the Judaizers, it was those 300 plus social laws.
See, when we think of legalism, we think of this. Works must be included to be saved. That's what we think of when we think of legalism. And for the course of the next several weeks, I want to give us a different... That's the correct definition of legalism. Can I tell you there's another definition? Treating church as rules and not a relationship. Treating the Christian life, my efforts, by my resources, to get my reward. I do this. Whatever it may be. I dress a certain way. I give a certain amount of money. I, I give this. By what I do. So I can get my reward. There's, there's an awful lot of me in that. For by grace are you saved through faith. Not of yourselves. And when we start adding me, 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 me to whether we add it to the front end of salvation or to the back end of salvation, we're still perverting the gospel. Humanity wants our good to outweigh our bad. And yet God says that your righteousness, those things that you think are good, are filthy. You're just degenerate. All seven plus billion people that are alive on this world today have fallen short of perfection. And that's what God demands, is perfection. Well, you know, but our good can outweigh our bad. No, it can't. And when we, when we, most people think of that as, as a bad thing. Like, pastor's up there being mean. He's saying that we're all dirty, rotten. He, he's including himself. But listen, it's not a bad thing. It should be a relieving thing to realize that there's nothing that you can do. Zero. Because everything that you think that you can do, it's still bad. It takes the pressure off of you. The Judaizers come from the law. The law is done away with. Can I, can I be honest with you? If you, you guys have probably figured this out, I'm a very black and white person. It's either right or it's wrong. I'm, I'm, I'm not good with the spirit of the law. I just, I've never been. I'm a letter of the law type of person. But the truth of the matter is, is, is that each, that's why it's imperative. If we're going to have a successful Christian life, it's imperative that each and every one of us gets into the Bible. Don't rely on me. Hey, I do my best, but I'm still a human being. I can make a mistake. Don't rely on me for your... your... Our website makes this statement. We believe that the Word of God is the foundation, the basis for everything that we do, faith and practice. Not the name on outside of the building, not the name of the guy who stands up here and preaches, nothing. The only thing is the word of God. They're afraid. Verse number seven of Galatians chapter number one. It says, which is not another gospel, but there be some of that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. See, this idea perverts the gospel. Perverts the gospel. What is the gospel? The gospel is what it takes for us to be saved. It's the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And if we pervert the very thing that it takes for someone to get saved. When we're, at, we're either flat out preventing them from getting saved or we're taking the chance of preventing them from getting saved. Can I tell there's, there's a, <laughs> I don't know if you guys are pay, paying attention, maybe it's just me, but there's this, this whole huge deal about, and it, it wakes up every once in a while about what, what the word of God is. 
There's, again, moderation. We're going to look at that. I know we're going to look at that later on because I keep coming back to it. There's people on both sides that are, are wrong. But we start messing with the word of God. And we're messing with the ability of people to get saved. The Bible says in Isaiah that their blood is going to be on our hands. And I, I do not want to stand before God for anything that I say or I do or anything that is going to prevent other people from getting saved. I want to live my life in such a way that they don't see me, that they see Christ. I want to give them the correct word of God so they can put their faith and trust in Jesus and not their faith and trust in something else. Perverts the gospel. Chapter number two, we're going to look at it in the coming weeks. But in chapter number two, it frustrates it. It frustrates the gospel. It complicates it. How many of you heard, heard this statement? Well, that's as clear as mud. What the, what the Judaizers are doing to the gospel makes the ability for someone to get saved as clear as mud. It leads people back into bondage. The very place that they, they were freed from. You were freed from the law. You were freed from sin. You were freed from all of that. Now go and live like it. Live like you're free. You're not... <laughs> Yesterday we, was our anniversary, and so we went to Gettysburg out left and went to a nice dinner. Kendra was in the store, and there was this guy talking he's i mean he's just chain smoking like it's nobody's business and he's out there telling the the kids he's like don't 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 ever start this it's 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 hard to quit it's hard to quit don't don't ever stop this don't ever start it do you want to know what 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 people when they add work to salvation what they're doing is is here you go you don't have to quit anymore now here here's a pack of cigarettes but don't smoke them. The very, the very thing that you're separated from, you're going back to. You're free from it. It takes away from people what God died to make sure that they could have. Again, can you see why Paul's a little upset? Because he did this in the beginning of his life. We say, for by grace are you saved through faith. But what we show is that we are bearing burdens that God never intended us to bear. Well, if you don't, if you don't do that, then you're not right with God. Did you see Brother Modder? He came out of the bar the other day. Man, he must be backsliding. Has it, has it ever occurred to you that maybe his car broke down and he lost his cell phone so he had to make a phone call? Maybe he's passing out tracks in there. I don't know. Our position with God isn't what fixes us. God is the one that fixes us. Think about it for a second. The Bible says that he reached his hand down out of the, in the, the pit, out of the miry clay. It's not our position. There's nothing in us it's God that fixes us. And if we, if we didn't do anything to get saved, we can't do anything to lose salvation, then for that brief period of time, the Bible talks about the average life of 70 years, for that brief period of time on earth, we 
implement all these rules and restrictions and on people. When there's nothing that you can do to get it. There's nothing that you can do to keep it. But there's something that you got to do to keep everybody else happy. Jesus died to make us free. Can I tell you, it's, the world looks at it and they see it as a bait and switch. They see it as a bait and switch. Which is against the law, by the way. It's free to get, but it costs to keep. I mean, there's, there's so many th- ways to look at this. It's our nature to try harder. And the harder that you try, the further that you get. The Jews, God gave them these ten laws. And to protect these ten laws, we've got to do more. And it seems like the more that they tried, the more laws that were as added, the more laws they tried to keep, the more they messed up in front of God. It's our nature to try harder and the harder we try the more we fail traditions of men have made the word of god of none effect think about this salvation takes our bad and gives it to jesus and it takes jesus's good and gives it to us. That's grace. Who he is and what he did is the fact of what makes us right. We don't have to work to maintain it. The moment we got saved, God made us right with him. How many of you heard the statement? Well, they're, they're just not right with God. What you just said is that they're not saved. They may or may not be. But what I'm saying is when you make the statement, well, because that person did this thing, they're not right with God. That statement that you make, they're not right with God. Then you just said they're not saved. What does Matthew chapter number seven say? Judge not lest you be judged. And again, we make judgments all the time. You, you hop in your car, you pull out in front of traffic, you make a judgment whether or not you have time to make it across. So it's not that we're not supposed to make judgments. We're not supposed to make judgments that's not in our area to judge. So let me ask you this question. Is it our areas to judge and whether someone's saved or not? Fellowship might get broken. Yesterday, again, we, we were out. Kendra was in the store too long, so the boys got bored, so Colton was digging in the dirt. He threw dirt at his brother. I told him not to do it. Mom comes out of the store, and he throws dirt at Mom, and it was... I'm just, he, he did something that was wrong. He got busted for it. And then he was wandering around acting all offended. For a while. Colton's still the dude. He's still my son. No matter what, he got busted for it. I still love him. While he's a fa- he did something mean to his mom. He disobeyed me. Then he's wandering around being offended because he got busted for it. Guess what? I bought him a shirt. I'm not rewarding bad behavior. The fact is this, that I still love him. Fellowship may have... Hey, he, he didn't want to be around me when after I had a stern talking to him about doing something that he wasn't supposed to do. Fellowship may have been broken. 
but grace and faith and love and the fact that he's my son, well, that, you can't change that. It will never be cha changed. It's not that the things we do are not important. The things that we do are important. But it has nothing to do with salvation. And it has everything to do with our fellowship. The story is told of Billy Sunday. Ma Sunday would make the statement. I didn't know if he was talking to me or if he was talking to God. Because one minute he'd be talking walking on the sidewalk, he's talking to me. The next minute he'd be talking, and it's not making any sense. And yeah, he's talking to God. The next minute he's back to talking to me. The next minute he's back to talking to God. Can I make a statement? I cannot think of a better illustration of this, of having proper fellowship with God than that. Is at any moment in time, are we living our life the way that God wants us to, not the way that man wants us to? But we can look at God and say, God, I'm doing everything that you want me to do. And I can talk to you freely. I have no guilt. I have no shame. I have nothing because I'm doing the, everything that you want me to do. So I'm not saying it's not important that we do things. What I am saying is it's important that we do the things that he wants us to do. And don't worry about the things that other people want us to do. Can you just see how easy legalism can slip in? We don't even realize it. See, that's why Paul makes a big deal. Because it messes with salvation and it can happen so easily and so quickly and we don't even realize it. Like I said, chapters 1 and 2, Paul presents the problem, defends himself, makes some opening statements. Chapters 3 and 4, he really dives into the errors of thinking. And chapters 5 and 6, he talks about living in liberty really is. He tells us how we can live in liberty. If there's not a list on how to live, then how do we navigate life? Have you ever thought about that? For the next several weeks, we're going to show you how you can live your life pleasing to God. In, it's not a bunch of rules. It's not a bunch of lists. It's not a bunch of laws. Paul shows the Galatians how to accomplish it. Like I said, I know that I'm excited about this series. I hope that you are all. So let's pray. Lord, we come before you this evening, Lord. I mean, this morning.